Hey guys, welcome to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit. Here with your host, Vic Whaley. And Marcus D. And guys, this is a paranormal podcast brought to you by One Candle Society. We've been running a YouTube channel now for about four or five years now, and everyone has always said that our show sounds like a podcast. We should do a podcast. So that's what we've decided to do. We've decided to start a paranormal podcast where we could talk about whatever we want that's going on in the paranormal world today. And if you're a fan that's been with us for a long time, thank you for supporting us and thank you for following us to this new medium. If you're just getting here, thank you for joining the conversation. We appreciate having you. It's going to be a fun time and we cannot wait to talk to you guys about all the cool stuff that we know about in the paranormal. And we were going back and forth on so many various topics on what we were going to talk about today. I think uh, change or skinwalkers was something we were going to talk about. I think we were just going to talk about shadow people. So many different things was going to be what we're going to talk about and we decided something else instead. As we were trying to figure this out, we ended up going for a drive and grabbing some Sonic hashtag not sponsored. And we ended up getting ourselves some Blizzard and we were talking about what might be an interesting thing to do for our first episode. And we started thinking, what about monsters in cities? What about monsters in urban environments? We always think about monsters as these things that lurk on the periphery of society, out in the country, out in the woods. But what about the encounters that happen within the city? There's so many of these really cool stories that it's just, it, it's always surprising when people run into something in the paranormal, like in these cities, because there's this huge populace that's there. There's so many more eyewitnesses that could occur. So whenever we hear about these stories of things in the big city, it always makes it so much more interesting. Of how, how has this not been seen before? Why is it there? What's it doing? It just, it just adds this cool flavor to it. Like, imagine this sort of scenario. You're walking around downtown. It's the middle of the night. You hear some murmuring from a nearby alleyway. You look down and you see against the back brick wall two long, stretched out, two-dimensional silhouettes motioning like they're talking to each other. As you focus in, almost not believing what you're seeing, they react, almost surprised that you've noticed them, and then they vanish into the shadows around you. It seems strange, but reports like this do occur. Is there anything that that you think makes urban stories sound different than rural stories? Oh, there's a few things. And one of the big things that I've always wondered is we always call them urban legends, even though not that many of them occur in urban environments. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you heard anybody use the term rural legend? Yeah, and it's just <laughs> not something that we really say. And so many of those stories always start... How many times have you been uh, out around a campfire or something and people start telling these legends and yet people call them urban legends for some reason. Yeah, and it's just not really a setting we hear about a whole lot. Some of the interesting things that are presented about like monster sightings and apparition sightings in cities, there's such a big opportunity for there to be witnesses, bystanders, and all sorts of things like that. You would think that if these things were occurring in the city, we'd have more eyewitness spottings. But that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems to be a rarity. So, like, one of the coolest urban legends that, that I know of and that I like to talk about with people is the story of, like, black-eyed kids. And for those of you that don't know what stories of black-eyed kids, it kind of started 
oh, was it the 1990s? Was it the 1990s? Yeah, the early yeah, 1990s. Yeah. It was early 1990s. This journalist was in his car uh, in Texas, and all of a sudden these two kids, they kind of look like teenagers, they come up to him, and they're asking him for a ride, but in a, a really weird way. They're they're saying, hey, can you take us to, like, uh, what was it, Return Arc, our Mortal Kombat game? Take us. No, they they were the Mortal Kombat movie was playing at the. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were yeah. they were talking to them about going to the uh, Mortal Kombat movie, uh, and they didn't have any money. Can they get a ride? And they were just like, "But it's okay. We don't have a gun." And this whole time that this reporter's talking to them, he just has this terrible, terrible feeling in the, this terrible, terrible feeling in the pit of his stomach, like something is seriously wrong here. But he couldn't place what it was. Until he noticed in their he noticed in their eyes that they were solid black, and this is the first major black eyed kid report. Fortunately, he basically just got out of the situation. I I don't blame him. I wouldn't either. I mean, if you see this, if you see these two kids, they come up to you, they're acting all weird, and they just have these like, uh, like was opaque black eyes that just are like you can't these black eyes that are just staring almost into your soul. He felt like. Yeah, and we're not talking about just the, um, the irises. Yeah, yeah the irises, we're, or whatever. We're talking about like full scleral black eyes. But one of the weirdest things is 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 right after this guy comes out with the story, tons and tons of other people and their mothers start coming out saying, "Oh, I've seen them too." And one of the the weirdest things uh, about these stories is everybody says, "Oh, there's this this supernatural fear that came over me when I saw these things. Like I just knew something wasn't right, and I got this this." supernatural fear of these things and i always found that odd because if you've ever seen people that like see a spider and all of a sudden they're like jumping up on chairs they're shrieking and freaking out this is how they act seeing a spider and people go i just had this this, this primal fear i'm like i don't the supernatural fear I don't, I don't know if it was a supernatural fear or just a natural reaction to seeing something that unnatural Actually, I'm really glad you brought up spiders, because fear comes from a few different sort of sources. One of them can be an instinctual fear, and that's what a lot of people have when they see spiders. It's that they have been instinctually trained through survival to avoid them. Not everyone has this instinctual trigger, but that kind of seems like what it is with these black-eyed kids. But that leads to a weird conclusion. That would mean, like, by avoiding creatures that look like this, it's increased people's survival. Like, is this something that pops up cyclically, like, in human history or something? Well, I think there's a lot of people that could probably relate to feeling like people just naturally avoid them. Like, they don't want to be around them. I think that may have been a thing in society where we're avoiding the weird-looking people. I mean, I've seen people walk, like, cross the street when they see us before because of how we look and whatnot, so. But it's just, people describe it as being such a deep-seated fear and it's usually before they even notice that the eyes are black i mean i guess it could be subconsciously they've already picked up on it but if you if you just see something that you're just terrified of just that 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 sinking feeling in your stomach but then for the first time ever you're face to face with the supernatural i i just i have a hard time believing that it's supernatural fear rather than just i'm sorry this 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 fear that's coming just from the entity Rather than just your world breaking, realizing that you're seeing something that just can't be explained. So are you thinking that it's something like a projected fear? Yeah, I think people are just really that scared of what they see because I would be that scared. Like if you if if, I, if a kid walked up right now to me with solid black eyes and said, hey, can I have a ride? It's okay. I don't have a gun. 
I, I think my voice would go up about four octaves and I would be screaming, running into your house and telling you to go get rid of it. And that's just such a weird, stilted way of saying something. And that's not exclusive to this case. That's common in many Black Eyed Kids encounters where the way they say things are just not quite right or some of the words they use are a little too antiquated. I really thought that you just said that what I said sound, sounded stilted. <laughs> like when I just said there's something stilted, I'm like, no. I think what I said sounds a normal reaction to seeing well, something like that. I'm not saying that what you said did not sound stilted. <laughs> but no, I was talking specifically about the sort of addictions you see among the black-eyed kids and it's not even just how they say things often the clothes that they wear is out of date or sometimes in to totally anachronistic um another cool uh thing that i that i've noticed about uh a lot of urban legends you find is you can often see a lot of these stories even like during the day like a lot of urban encounters happen during the day a lot of stories of people running into monsters or you know, spooks or boogans or whatever happen at night. A lot of urban legends can happen during the day. There's a lot of black-eyed kids encounters that occur during the day. Um, I've seen some wicked humanoid stories that have occurred during the day, phantom clowns that occur during the day. If you think back, like, a lot of uh, around the times of Halloween and all the times when you see, like, those people seeing, like, these killer clowns are running around and all that, it, they happen during the day. But before we go too far past the black-eyed kid thing... Oh, yeah, yeah, Like... There are a lot of other odd things about these encounters. Probably one of the most interesting ones is the whole thing where they're attempting to gain entrance. They want into your house. They want into your car. Whatever you're in, they now want to be in. Hashtag no and never. <laughs> but it seems like even though everyone says they, they feel like they're these really powerful, dangerous things, they can't do it without your permission. They're just really trying to get you to say yes. Straight out of Dracula's, like, like, circum, the, was it, 1800s, whenever it was written, like, some kind of, like, Dracula can only get into your house, vampires can only get into your house, like, as long as you let them in. Yeah, and some, some demon tales work like that, too. But it just seems so strange that if they're these really dangerous entities, they can't force their way in. Like, there's something that prevents it, that they have to have that sort of permission to it. And they'll intimidate you into giving the answer they want. They will, like, rap on the windows, bang on the doors, do about anything they can to get in there. But there is one thing that seems to ward them off. Do, do you happen to remember it, Marcus? Yeah, saying no. <laughs> yeah, it works fantastic. I highly recommend it because anybody who has ever said yes, it is ended badly. Yeah, but they'll still stick around and try to get in. Oh, I know the other one. Driving away. <laughs> They're not fast. <laughs> well, that's true. If you're in a car, you can pretty much just drive away. But oddly enough, calling the cops seems to work in most cases. <laughs> most people who've had black-eyed kid encounters, and then they call the cops, they say that before the cops get there, the kids just seem to vanish. They just go away. They have no clue where they went, but they're just gone. And there are police encounters where they've been called out on these, and they search the area, and they can't find any evidence that anything had happened. Just like regular hooligans. Just like regular hooligans. <laughs> Calling the cops on the kids and gets rid of them. It's always weird to me when, whenever people talk about uh, like the black eyed kids and they try to like identify like what they specifically are. Like in a lot of times, like I think a lot of people they describe them as whatever their what whatever tools they have in their paranormal sandbox, like whatever like whatever terminology that they're prone to using. I've heard people call them spirits. I've heard people call them demons. I've heard people call them like. Uh, 
the the souls of lost kids. It's it's just it's just whatever you want to call them. Uh, like what do you what do you think that they are? I don't know. One of the interesting things about the black eyed kid phenomena is that it doesn't really fit right in any singular camp. It's more like they've been kind of meshed together from a few. I mean, there are like you mentioned vampires earlier. Mm-hmm. There are definitely similarities to vampire folklore with them. I mean, not being able to enter a house without permission, that pale sort of look, wearing anachronistic clothing, talking in a strange sort of way. I, rem- a- I remember uh, I remember a story about a pastor who said he encountered one, and he 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 invoked uh, the name of Jesus in the thing, like hissed at him and ran away, he said. Yeah, and that's kind of interesting that it seems like with any sort of paranormal phenomena, Drawing on whatever faith you have seems to be something that kind of pushes them away. It just seems to be something that's fairly consistent. Well, I, I think I've always said for the longest thing, in any time people have always talked about getting rid of the supernatural, no matter what you're, no matter no matter where you're at in the world, everybody has these success stories of getting rid of entities in the paranormal. You know, the Catholic priest is going to do something differently. You know, uh. uh a shaman is going to do something differently than, you know, than a monk or something like that. But the only thing that anybody really has in common is this belief that what they will do is going to work. This strong belief that what they're going to do is going to get rid of this entity. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about it is, and I'm going to go a little off our topic here for a second. Oh, yeah. But I mean, yeah, black eyed kids kind of makes sense. Demons, ghosts, shadow people kind of makes sense. But there's a lot of cases where this works in abduction phenomena <laughs> involving aliens. And that's the one where I'm like, what? 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 The power of Christ <laughs> compels you, E.T. The power of Christ compels you. Yeah, as well as I'm like, what, what does this mean? Does this mean they're not aliens? Does this mean faith is something, some sort of transist or transcendent power that can protect you? I, I'm I, not I, sure. I think they're terrified by the behavior. Because <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of people that literally just start shrieking like in the name of their faith, and I'm cons- I'm not going to get near that person. I'm, I'm no thanks. I'm I'm okay. I, I get concerned, so I can't imagine what a being from another world would think if they saw somebody just chucking sprinkled water at somebody, just screaming. One of the ones I've thought about is maybe when you start to invoke your religion, you can easily get wrapped up into this sort of religious delirium sort of thing. And maybe the abilities they use to keep you docile and keep you asleep, maybe once you're in that sort of um, mental state, just doesn't work. And they're like, okay, we, we don't want to deal with this at this point. This is out of our control. We're, we're getting out of here. Yeah, but I'm also prone to avoid the guys that wear this sign that says the end is near. Repent. <laughs> oh, oh, don't. They're the best people to talk to. I, I, I know, but it, I'm just saying, the behavior seems to work, too. Going back to the black-eyed kids, what do you think happens when you let them in? Uh, you die. <laughs> you just fall over that and is die. The, it's just done. That is the end of the book. You are dead. Like don't that, do it. <laughs> I'm just, I, I can guarantee you right now there is somebody out there that just thinks, yeah, if I see one, I'm going to let them in there at my house. Don't be that per- Don't let Marcus down, okay? Don't be a disappointment to me. Like, Don't do it. I, I've heard of a few cases where people have made the mistake. They have let them in. And a lot of them end with like them barricading themselves in a room while they wreck the place up. Or there's even some stories where people have agreed to let them in in a little bit or agreed to um, come back and get them if they're in their car. And then befell some sort of horrible tragedy or curse sort of aspect. I wonder 
if they're just going to do something physical or something even scarier, maybe it's like a spiritual sort of threat. Or I like the idea of maybe it's possession. Maybe when you let them in, you're not meeting the house. I'm really worried that you would actually let them into your house now. No, no. You're making I, me nervous. What I would do is I would stand on one side of the threshold and I would study them and taunt them. To see what happens if I stay on my side of the wall and just yell at them. Uh, no. I'm going to go do what I think more people should do in these uh, stores where you encounter the paranormal and go get your gun. <laughs> because I am always surprised in any of these urban st legend stories where the story does not end with, and then I pull out my gun. <laughs> now, I'm going to use this as a chance to experiment. I'm going to be like, uh, wait right here and just close the door, go get some sage, open the door, light it, throw it out, and then just see what happens. Odds are I'd be, probably be, they don't respond to it. But then I can, you know, mark that in my journal. Does not respond to sage. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I'm going to experiment too. Okay, three didn't work. Got him. I'd probably try salt too, but I mean, if it is just kids, throwing salt in a kid's eyes seems like something <laughs> could get you in trouble. So does shooting a kid. <laughs> okay. If you're walking up to me with solid black eyes saying, it's okay, let me in your car, I don't have a gun, you are now fair game. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's okay, because I do. <laughs> I'm like 90% sure that is not going to hold up in court. The kid said, I don't have a gun, and that's why I did it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it will either, but... I'm not going to get abducted by a black-eyed kid. Or eaten by a black-eyed kid. Or possessed by a black-eyed kid. Just prison. <laughs> Maybe that's why more stories don't end with, and then I got my gun! <laughs> probably not. Pro probably not. Another thing you see popping up in urban environments and is really one of my favorites. Mothman and other flying humanoid sort of creatures. Yes, that's... Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Like, we even had one, like, this year in Indiana... Like, up in Gary, Indiana, back in January, I think it was, like, the 19th, uh, there was, like, multiple accounts of these people seeing this large bat-like creature that was flying uh, in the city of Gary. Oh, it was, it was so cool. So, and it's so weird just to see accounts like that of something that out in the open in a in a big city flying over it. And, and the weird part was it wasn't even just that day. Like, there's stories that go back to the 60s. Of this large flying bat-like humanoid up there, like near Gary, the Chicago suburbs area, the around like Michigan. Yeah, and that's far from an isolated incident, too. Yeah. I mean, you got the Chicago Mothman that's popped up pretty recently. Yeah. Then you have the Point Pleasant Mothman. You have the NASA Gargoyle. But these things, although they seem to keep generally away from cities, they seem to have no problem going into a more urban environment. But yet they seem smart enough, at least up in that area, to stay away generally from people. Like people tend to see like report seeing them. And there's a couple stories where like I think a kid was like almost picked up by one or something like that. But for the vast majority of them, it's just people seeing it flying in the sky. Oh yeah. And and I think Chicago is probably the biggest city I've ever heard of there being like this sort of flying humanoid pop into. Or at least that's the best, the biggest one I can remember right now. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the biggest. Unless there was something maybe on the east coast. Well, I th I think some people talked about seeing the Mothman shortly after the nine eleven uh, 
the 9/11 attacks uh, in around New York, around New York City. I think I remember hearing something about that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, and there were some in like the bigger cities in Japan, but those were like really short encounters yeah. where people saw them for a really short period of time. But, I'm talking about like the prolonged. Yeah, like consist- consistently, people are talking about seeing them up and near the the Chicago and the, and the Lake Michigan, area, which the Lake Michigan, in and of itself, is a huge hotbed of paranormal activity. So do you think these things are very stealthy or do you think this is a situation of no one ever looks up without a reason we just don't really ever look up? I I I don't know. I, I, I cuz if if it's this animal that's that's been there for a while, you think that it would be driven away by that much by, by that much human uh, inner like that much human presence out there. I don't know. I've always been under the assumption that I I think that the Mothman or something like that has to be a person that just lives in the area most of the time. That's a big theory, uh, uh, you know, about a lot of these creatures is that they're people that turn into these things, um, whether or not if they're like skinwalkers or 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 just werebats, <laughs> like as a, as a thing or whatever. Like that's that, that's something some people think that they are. One of the things I've always thought about is it's probably that I like, like I said earlier, we don't really ever look up without a reason. That these things can be around, they're fairly stealthy, sticking to primarily at night. And then one day someone looks up and sees them, tells the story, and now people have a reason to look up. That's why they kind of come in flaps. Once people are aware of it, then people start looking up more, people start seeing it. Yeah, but the stories of Gary were, de- were during the day. Those weren't at night. Yeah, I've seen more of the and, Chicago ones. And I don't, I don't like... Not looking not look into this sky. I mean, you're just... I, I don't believe that. I have a hard time believing that we're just not looking up at the sky. We wouldn't notice. I mean, they described it as being like almost, you know, six to eight feet tall with a 20-foot wingspan. I'm like, there's no way you're not going to notice that in the sky. And how often do you look up, actually? Uh, all the time. That way, in case I'm gonna be, I can watch out for UFOs trying to abduct me. Okay, that explains why you're always bumping into stuff. Yes, that but does. Most, most people aren't walking around looking straight up. I think there, I think there's a good chance that you can miss it, especially with nighttime encounters. Not a chance. There is absolutely no way that you would not notice this thing in the sky. That's why I, I, I have to think that it, it just during that it, it can't be in that state all the time. That's why I've, I've never believed that they could just live like that. in an urban setting. Yes, in a rural environment. Yes, where you could hide out in the woods, you could hide out in this large open space. But in a huge city with thousands of people, there's no way. So are you thinking along the lines of like some sort of shapeshifter? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we've talked about that on our we talked about it on our YouTube channel multiple times whenever we get these stories of Bigfoot, um, lizard men, mothmen type entities, the idea of these shapeshifters comes up from time to time and I just I, I don't see something that big being able to hide in a, in an urban environment. I know. When I think about Mothman and things like that, I never really think shapeshifter, though. I mean, it's an interesting perspective. But I'm more than willing to think that it's something less physical, more spiritual, maybe apparitional, maybe extra dimensional. And it's just popping into our dimension to cause a little bit of mischief and going back home. Oh, oh, okay, then, then how, how do you explain that it can hide in, in, in a city? Well, maybe it's extra dimensional. It's just popping over to cause some mischief. <laughs> I, f- I feel like I'm working a little more from the natural world. And you're more, oh, what's the reason it does work? Uh, it's magic. Well, I'm not saying I don't buy the shapeshifter thing at all. It's just it's not something I've ever really thought about when it came to, like, you know, flying humanoids and stuff. Well, I think any paranormal entity that's going to live in an urban environment has to be able to hide. 
that's one of the reasons a lot of people say that we haven't found a body of Bigfoot, why we haven't found mermaids, is because they have this ability to hide in these in these miles and miles of unexplored area. But you don't have that in a city with urban monster stories because everything's more compact. Everything's on top of each other. Like, they have to be able to hide in some way. I don't know. If, if they're smart about it, pulling something like keeping isolated, keeping to fairly abandoned, high-up parts of the city, and then only really moving around at night, I, I really feel like they could remain elusive. Or unless it's just traveling. Or traveling. I mean, that, that's another good possibility if this is maybe a transient sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like you don't have large urban cities of what are they surround with, surrounded by. Urban. I mean, they're surrounded by a bunch of urban environment that it could hide in, and maybe someone brought it into the city for some reason, or had to come into the city for some reason. Oh, you just made me think about, like, there's some sort of secret, like, Mothman trading group. <laughs> they're, they're like, it's like when you export illegal animals, except for it's Mothman. <laughs> oh, that sounds awful. I don't think that's the case, but that would be a terrible thing. <laughs> what do you think would, what do you think would uh, drive something like that into a city? Evasion of a predator, some sort of feeding. I, I am like, terrified of what will be a predator to a mothman. Well, if I'm thinking about or it, a as a, like that, yeah. If I'm thinking about a, it as a biological creature, I'm thinking looking for food, evading predators, escaping destruction of its home, its natural environment. If we're thinking about it like, and I'm more tempted to think of it as not so much a natural creature, um, then. It's hard to say at that point on what it's most would be. But if we're thinking natural, I'm just going to have to go with looking for food, avoiding being prey, looking for shelter, avoiding destruction of natural habitat. Something along those lines. I mean, even if it was something that could, like, like if it was a person that could turn into one of these creatures that, uh, like I was going for in the beginning, I would still think he would want to live, like, out in the rural area. Like, right on a rural area. You wouldn't want to be around a bunch of people in this city. There's a lot that's there. Cops... Um, government, you know, other government, other government agencies that are there, more people that can see you and stuff. You would think that would push you to these these fringe communities. I mean, if I was a shapeshifter and I could transform into a Mothman-like entity, yeah, I would not want to live in a city. That seems like just the most dangerous place to live. Like, unless I'm like a vampire and I need to feed off humans or something like that, or there's something about the city that necessitated me going there, I think I would try to avoid it. I'd live very isolative so do you want to talk about like what happens when you actually investigate winged humanoids oh yeah all right like so for those of you that have maybe never heard of winged humanoids this is the first time you've heard of it and you're like oh that's cool i want to go look up stories of the mothman and all this eh, be careful they're cursed it's a curse <laughs> they'll curse you they're gonna get you in the middle of the night for those of you that have never seen mothman prophecies yeah, looking into winged humanoids can often be a very dangerous activity. Many people that go uh, investigating these things have a lot of bad things that tend to happen to them. I don't know what it is about winged humanoids and curses, but it just seems to be a thing. The people who survive the encounters and tell the stories, people involved with seeing him multiple times, it's just associated with the curse. Sometimes it's called the curse of the Mothman. But it's just such an odd connection because when you think about the Mothman, you don't normally think, oh, this is this thing's going to curse me. <laughs> but maybe that's one of the reasons why it's able to uh, go as long as it is in an urban environment. Because people that tend to go after it tend to have this bad things that happen to it. Maybe if you get a good direct view and it realizes it, it can just curse kill you. 
Like, they're like, oh, I should tell someone, and it curses you, and you just fall over dead before you get a chance to tell anyone. Or maybe that's how it stays elusive. Or I don't know, maybe you ever you ever been out one day, and you're about to, like, look up, you're about to do something, and all of a sudden you trip over your own feet. Oh, that's a, that's an, in, like, if it can, like, affect fate in some yeah, sort of way. Yeah, yeah, like, you're about to do, like, you're about to, like, turn around in some way, sure, before, and then somebody bumps into you, and you drop all of your books that you're holding, or something like that. Oh, I, I actually have never thought about this, like, a survival-based mechanism that could cause, like... It changed the causality. Yeah. Like intentionally negatively inflicting on people who tell people about you and also protecting you from like just incidentally being seen. What, but what, what does that mean about the people who end up seeing them? Are these well, the, special people immune to it? Well, no, there, there, there's there's some people like if you think about like go back to uh, our patron video that we did on our on our Patreon. The, the Oz factor we talked about. Mm-hmm. A lot of the people that sometimes when they see a, a paranormal entity or they see something like that they they're the only ones seeing it like they notice like they're in like a crowded room or they're on a crowded street and all of a sudden they find themselves to be the only one there and then they see this phenomenon that happens whether it be a ufo or some sort of monster yeah i think that's really neat that the oz factor happens in urban environments for those of you who don't know the oz factor is when everything goes quiet and still around you mostly people talk about it like when they're out in the wilderness where suddenly the whole forest goes still and something odd is about to happen. But there are accounts where people are walking through the city and suddenly they realize there's no sound, there's no cars driving by, there's no one else on the street, and it's just them. And they say it's just the most surreal thing that they've ever experienced. And usually then it's followed up with something odd occurring. Well, I've always thought of like stories in the woods or in rural environments where people report this, this Oz factor feeling. It's just a heightened state of awareness. Like, you're just shocked. Like, oh, everything goes quiet. Well, if you're something like a large-winged humanoid, like, you're this big creature, what are you going to do? You're going to drive other creatures away. Everything's going to get quiet. Everything's going to get everything's gonna get still. And all of a sudden, you you become heightened aware of this. That, that's what's going on. Um, but but stories of it in, in, in an urban environment where people are walking down a crowded street and then all of a sudden they're by themselves or they're going, they're, they're the only ones seeing. Like, people around them, but everything's quiet and they're the only ones seeing this phenomenon go down okay i've got another tall dark stranger who spooks people inside cities spring hill jack Nah, i'm not done yet i'm not <laughs> oh, done you're still going? no i, th- okay. I, th- I think so i think that's maybe what makes urban monsters possibly different than these rural monsters that we were talking about yeah. like it, that it, that's what it that's how they survive in this urban environment is they've altered fate like you've talked about yeah. All right, now let's go into Spring Hill Jack like you're talking about. That's <laughs> you, fine. You just wanted to make sure we reiterate yeah. the things we already said. No, I was still on my I was still on my soapbox. I was not off of it yet. You're trying to pull me off of it. Uh, uh, is the soapbox put away? Yeah, I, here, I'm packing okay. it up. I'm putting I'm putting it away now. All right, now please continue. Okay, Spring Hill Jack, crazy case from the Victorian era happened in England where this strange man. He's described in a few different ways, but mainly as a large dark man. Sometimes described as having like a dark cloak, sometimes described as having wings, would just come bounding over a wall, jumping insanely high distances, landing next to people, and then just scaring them. Sometimes he'd poof out blue flame from his mouth and just scare the dickens out of anyone who saw him. And then just jump into the air again and just jump away, jump to the top of a nearby building. Okay, up until you talked about like blue flames coming out of his mouth and jumping on a building, I was just about to say, or as we call it, manic behavior. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay... We can, okay, now now maybe it's a little past that now. Okay. And it's just such an odd series of stories, and it occurred for quite some time, where this guy would just, and that's why they call him Spring 
healed. That he, like he had springs in his heel. He could just jump really, really high distances. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not the only. I mean, he's not the only other like. Did we? Did he? Did he murder anybody? Did he kill anybody in those stories? No, nothing, nothing confirmed. It was mainly oh. just hopping in, scaring someone really bad, and then just zoidberging off into whoop, the whoop, distance. Whoop, 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 whoop. So he's just a nuisance. Yeah, no, more or less, he's just this blue fire spewing nuisance. It's like Batman, but he's he's not here to save anyone. He just wants to scare you and run off. That sounds like a paranormal entity that is not living up to his full potential. <laughs> That's good. That's good he's not. But it just sounds like he's not living up to his full potential. It's just the strangest sort of... Some people call it a cryptid. Some people call it a phantom. I don't really know what to classify this guy as. But it's just such a strange sort of story. I remember when we were, we were, we were planning this video out. And we were talking about coming up with other things to talk about. Like Black Eyed Kids, Wigan Humans. What else is in the city? And we were coming up with other things. Like maybe the story of like the Mad Gasser out in Illinois. Who would like sneak around houses and pump poisonous gas into people's houses or whatever. And then... Or the, the Bandage Man... A story we did way out on the coast, and I was calling them murderous humanoids. <laughs> it was maybe what we could, but maybe they're uh, what, what, we, what do we want to call them? Like uh, hostile humanoids, uh, agitated humanoids. Like, are, are we are we lumping Spring Hill Jack in this group? I guess a nuisance. <laughs> nuisance. I don't. Know. But I still think murdering people is a bad nuisance. I think we're a little I... bit further that like the 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 bad guys or the bandage man. We're a little bit a little bit further past nuisance. We, but... we we have too wide of a spread of behavior. We have one guy who's going to run up to you and scare you and run away. We have another guy who's going to gas you, put you to sleep, and steal some of your stuff. And then we got who's just going to try to kill you. Both are nuisances. How, how about just bad guys? Yeah, just, they're just, bad guys. Just bad guys. Okay. <laughs> That's that's what that's what we'll that's what we'll call those guys. But it's just it's always it's just always so weird. There's this huge, rich, large amount of stories about all these paranormal things that just happen in 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 big cities. And if you guys have any of those stories, please like um, comment uh, below your stories or send or send them to us on our social media and stuff. We love we love getting stories from our listeners because um, we would love to share them if you guys want us to. One of my thoughts on why the city, why, why not a rural environment? Maybe these entities need to feed off humans in some way. Maybe not like in like a vampire sense where they're trying to drink someone's blood or something. But maybe it's like somehow they sustain themselves off the fear or something like that. It's just one of those things that I keep coming back to. is like if they're sticking around humans, there has to be a reason. And it would have to be big enough to justify the risk of entering a population center. Well, I... I, I go with the theory a lot of times that there's more of a human element to them than often what people think. And and what is something that humans need? We know that we need we need interaction with other humans. If we don't have it, we we tend to we start to to, to start developing problems. You can develop physical and mental problems if you're not around other people. Mm-hmm. So why are these things in urban environments? It's because there's probably a human element. Maybe they're people by day and nuisancey people at <laughs> at night or 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 whatever you want to call them or whatever and that's and 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 that's what and that's what it is and that's why they can live in the city i don't think anything like ever really went too far from this but i knew an investigator years and years ago um you you know him adam mathers yep yeah he was actually trying to create a map based on um 
like where shadow people were being seen in the city and comparing that to places where um, there's a lot of violence and um, domestic abuse and things like that and trying to see if it matched up. And I remember he showed me like some of his early work on it and it looked like things were matching up pretty darn closely, mm. which I thought was pretty interesting. Those, what is that, Misery Left Company? Are they, yeah, they're yeah. Just, yeah they're, just, they're just drawn to that sort of energy. For those of you who are kind of new to us, one of our theories on shadow people is that they kind of migrate towards people who can be easily victimized, likely to try to get something out of that experience, probably fear something along those lines, is at least what our running theory has been. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, stories of people uh, using drugs, being in domestic violence situations, mm -hmm. um, just having a poor home life, they often, in, they often report seeing uh, shadow people. Oh yeah, like for those of you who may not be aware of this, um, a lot of drugs that can cause hallucinations will consistently cause hallucinations of shadow people. I'm not saying that that's what, what's happening where everyone who's seen shadow people are on drugs. Heck, I've seen shadow people and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not on anything. Well, everybody's had trauma in their life. Everybody's had something bad that's happened to them. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's always sort of there under the surface. I mean, what's, what's something that, I've, that we've heard a lot? Uh, uh, it's, it's that you never was a conquer demons. You just learn to live about, like right above them. They're still below you. They're still there. Yeah. You know, you just learn to live just right above them. But the fact that it's there can draw things to you. And maybe that's why these entities want to be in the large uh, populated areas because there's a lot of that running to the surface right there. Another one that gets seen in urban environments sometimes. Grinning Man. Yep. Uh, or uh, what was a smiling man, or uh, injured cold, or, or some people like just lump them, lump them, lump them in with that. Uh, these uh, these these humanoids that wear these almost shimmering blue or green suits. Sometimes they're bald, sometimes they're not, but with these huge, inhuman, wicked Joker grins on their face. Yeah, we actually um, worked a case once involving someone seeing one. We, I know those of you who are veterans of our channel, you probably heard this story, but we're going to It's still it a good again. story. Yeah. <laughs> where um, we were investigating a case where a person, he had come home from work, immediately went to sleep, and then woke up, and there's just this man standing at the foot of his bed, Nice suit on, um, if I remember right, he described him as having short-length hair, mm -hmm. sunglasses on, and then just this huge, huge grin just draped across his face. And he felt like he couldn't really move, and then he just kind of drifted back off to sleep. And when he woke up in kind of a panic, the guy was gone. Yeah, and and in that in, in that particular, that's an entity that's legit. You know it's showing itself to you. You know mm -hmm. that it's there. That's an entity that... Knows that it's going to be seen, but it doesn't care. That You have to feel super comfortable uh, in in your skills uh, and in, in, in the environment to do something like that. Makes me almost wonder if, like, have, how, like uh, similar to how people have speculated about shadow people, if they can, like, induce a sleep paralysis state. Mm -hmm. Oh, like this, the, like these entities can just induce that fear, or just induce a, that feeling of helplessness? Yeah, well, hit that switch in your brain that yeah. uh, allows you to consciously wake up, but you don't have control of your body, and mm -hmm. that way they can menace you. Yeah, but even in that story, he said, I think, uh, I don't know if we said it on the, I don't know if we said it in our video on Grinning Men or not, uh, but by the way, if you want more information on the Grinning Man, we did season three of our Paranormal Case Files, uh, we did a whole video on Grinning Men, but he said it like, I think he closed his eyes three times and said like, um, you're not there. Go away. Go away. Go away. You're not there. You're not there. Like he repeated some sort of phrase like that. Like and then it, it, when he woke up or when he opened his eyes, he wasn't there anymore. 
Yeah, I'm kind of dredging this back from my memories. It's been a it's been a while since we did the video, and even longer since we worked this case. This was this was years ago. But it's 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 that's almost different than any of the urban legends that we've talked about too. Because in this one, it's it's there showing itself to you, and and it doesn't care. Mm-hmm. And I even I even want to say the earliest grinning man encounter happened in a city. Yeah, I think it was on some road. It was also, was it in, was it Intercold? Is that the one you're No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't the Intercold one. It's the one where the two young men were walking by the fence. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember that. I remember that. Now. I remember that now. I mean, grinning man in general are just kind of very strange sort of entities. There's not a lot of cases involving them. There's not a lot of grinning men encounters. Um, I kind of like to scoot Intercold out of the main circulation because I, I have. Some theories that he might not be quite the same thing, but yeah, I've willing to lump a man. He, the story is very, very similar. You can't have your cake and eat two. There are definitely similarities. I, I just go back and forth. Like a lot a of them, like ninety percent of them are similar. You know, we, we, one day we should just devote one of these to talking about Andrew Colt because he's such an interesting, strange character. Yeah, we did in our story on Grady Men. <laughs> just remember that. Um, you guys are going to find that on this, we there's a lot of times we just disagree just wholeheartedly on, on stuff in the paranormal. So that's one of the fun things you guys get about this podcast is <laughs> is uh, when we just disagree and go back and forth with each other. Uh, is there anything else that you guys that you want to talk about like when it comes to him? or? No, I think we've checked most of my boxes. Yeah, we did. Okay. Is there anything else you want to talk about for this episode? I'm good. Yeah, I think so too. I think we've talked a lot about stuff today. Um, we really hope that you guys enjoyed this uh, this first episode of our podcast. There's going to be many more to come. We're going to try to do um, about one every two weeks. That's what we're going to try. Uh, if we can do more, we're going to do more. If we're going to do less, we'll let you, we'll let, we'll let you guys know. Um, if you guys liked um, our, our podcast, uh, let your friends know. Um, if you really liked uh, this podcast and you guys want to help us out even more, be able to bring more content, go over to our Patreon and become a patron today. We're going to put the link uh, and all the information in the description below how you guys can do that. And we make videos exclusively for our patrons. And if you sign up to be a patron, this podcast actually goes a little longer. Mm-hmm. We're, we're going to be talking about some additional stuff. We're going to be talking about the Crawfordsville Monster. And if you guys don't know what the Crawfordsville Monster is... You guys should sign up and become a patron today, and then you guys can check out more of this podcast, and you guys can learn a little bit more. But until then, keep believing. Because we'll keep listening. So, the Crawfordsville Monster, you're looking forward to revisiting this one? I am looking forward to revisiting this one. This was really cool. For those of you guys that don't know, we did do a YouTube video. It was season two, wasn't it? I think it was season two or was it season one? Oh, I can't remember. I I think it might have been season one. It was so long ago. Uh, we were still just awful. Oh, no, yeah. Oh, it was back terrible. And listening to it was painful. And oh, there were a lot of things we felt that we could really talk out that we did not hit before. No, it was. Oh my god, it was so bad. It was so bad. Like I, I was always trying to sound way cooler than what I was. Trying to sound real slick. And slow.